Divine Truth Events Events and Presentations by Jesus and Mary This presentation is part of the general discussion series where Jesus answers questions from people in Coco. Recorded on the 14th of September 2007 in Coco, Florida, USA. This is session one, part one. Um, I was thinking about what I would want to say to introduce AJ and, and two things really impress themselves on me. And one is that when, whenever I'm talking to him, I have a feeling that he deeply cares about me. And everything that he says reflects the deep love of the truth. And that is why I invited you all to come to um, hear what he has to say. And so at this point, I'll turn it over to Adrian. Well, thanks for inviting me here for a start. And uh, you have to put up with me because I'm Australian, right? So I speak Australian, not English. That's uh, something you have to put up with. And so if there's a term that I use that you don't understand, just make sure that you, uh, that you say something about it. So I'll use terms like, uh, you know, what did I come up with today? Fair dinkum. Fair dinkum, things like that. That means that's true. Fair dinkum means that's true, I'm speaking the truth. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> so there's quite a lot of different ones. I'll, I'll just get uh, mic perhaps. Could you just turn down the mic a little bit for me so that we haven't got as much feedback? Today, um, today, what I wanted to do is talk to you about uh, the secrets of the universe. Does that sound ambitious? <laughs> so, um, and in the process, what you will find, each of you, is that some of your current beliefs are going to be challenged. In fact, uh, perhaps quite a number of your current beliefs are going to be challenged. And my suggestion is to stay in the transaction. In other words, keep, keep an open heart, if you can, about what you're learning, because um, you may find, once you get the big picture that uh, I present today, you may find a, a lot of things shift within you in terms of your understanding of spiritual matters. And so I'd encourage you to stay in the transaction with me today. Today, tonight's going to be more of an overview of the things that I generally present to people. So, um, other lessons, which uh, tomorrow, for example, we're going to have another one here at uh, 10 a.m., I understand this. Um, the lesson tomorrow is going to be more focused on your soul and how to do your emotional work, how to actually work through your emotional condition, your spiritual condition. Today, though, is more of a complete overview of the structure of the universe, not just the physical universe that we live in here, but all of the dimensions of the universe that God has created. And because of that, um, we're going to learn so many different things. We're going to learn how spirits interact with people here on Earth. We're going to learn what, what happened at the time of incarnation with your soul. We are going to learn things about uh, God and also things about the universe that you perhaps um, have never considered before. Or things that you may have been aware of before, um, but maybe have not had it presented as clearly as what it can be presented. And so you will find that there will be a lot of challenges as well tonight with regard to what I present. And so the key, 
for you to keep, keep in mind is just to stay open emotionally. I don't know if you know that every time you're in a transaction with somebody, as soon as they close down emotionally, they also seem to close their ear as well, don't they? Right? And this is why I say to you, stay open emotionally if you can, because while you're open emotionally, you will actually hear what's being said rather than what you think is being said. Because what happens a lot with, with each of us is that it's like we have sort of red glasses on or coloured glasses on when we're hearing things. And all of the things that get presented to us from the universe go through our emotional condition. Does that make sense? So let's say I'm an angry man, then all of the things that are presented to me through the universe is going, I'm going to look at them all angrily. If I'm sad inside, and if I have feelings of unworthiness inside, then all of the things that are presented to me will go through my unworthiness. And if somebody says something that challenges me, then the unworthiness will surface, and then I'll, I'll, want, to end the, I'll want to refuse the, the challenge, if you like, emotionally. So the key to remember is that all of us have emotions, and those emotions will actually determine how much of what we can discuss tonight you'll be able to accept. Does that make sense? Tomorrow we'll talk more about the emotions and the soul and what what you can do about these emotions that are within. But today I wanted to pick, just do an overview of the universe, if you like, and present it to you in a manner that we can understand how everything occurs in the universe right from the time you were first created, right through the process of incarnation and right through the process of what's going to happen when you pass and what will happen after in the spirit world when you start progressing through the spirit world as well. Does that make sense? And what God's overall plan is as well. And how we can determine what God's overall plan is. And how you can actually determine truth yourself. And we'll go through all of those different things tonight in a, in a very general overview. Does that sound right? Ask as many questions as you want. Right? So don't be afraid to interrupt and ask some questions as we go along. There will be times when I will need to stop certain questioning because I want to get a certain part of this overview done tonight. Does that make sense? The reason why I couldn't give Michael a time is because some sessions have actually gone seven hours after I intended them to go two hours. And I hope that's not the case tonight because I do want to get home at a reasonable hour. But um, what, it will depend upon yourself as to how many questions you have as to how long things will, will go tonight. But I, I would hope to be finished by around 9 o'clock and I hope to have a break around 7.30. Um, and any of you who are not comfortable with what you're hearing, please feel free to leave any time you wish. Uh, I'm volunteering my time and you're volunteering yours in this transaction and I understand that if you feel too much inside of yourself like you've been confronted too much, well then I'm happy for you to leave just as I would leave too if it was in that situation. Does that sound alright? Alright, let's get started then. <coughs> Every time I do this I start with the creator of the universe. And I'm going to have to have a cough because this problem my throat. At least I don't start singing. <laughs> 
And every time I talk, I always start talking about God firstly and what your concept of God is. Now, I find that most people have a concept of God. Um, for example, that, uh, and you hear this in a lot of spiritualist literature today, that God is you, or you are God, or you are a part of God, or God is inside of you. Now, how many of you feel that way? That you are a part of God, God is a part of you. Alright? Alright? Most people. And how many of you feel like you are a child of God? Okay, so how can you be God and a child of God at the same time? Does that make much sense to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to put forward the idea that you, in fact, are not God. That you and God are separate entities, separate souls, if you like. Now, God can enter you, or God's love in particular, a attribute of God can enter you, but God actually existed before you ever existed. God, in fact, existed before the universe even existed. So if that is the case, then God can't be the universe either, and God can't be you. Does that make sense? And so if you take the point of view that God existed before you existed, and God existed before the universe existed, that the universe actually came from somewhere, rather than the point of view that the universe is God, then it changes the, con the, the whole uh, discussion, really, when it comes to spiritualism. And what I'm going to do today is present the idea that God actually existed before the universe was created. Right, so let's start with God. God has attributes, masculine and feminine attributes. Would you agree with that? Okay. There's two prime, I'll just write the term God. Who doesn't like the term God? Anybody doesn't like that term? Whenever you hear of God, do you feel like all religious all of a sudden? Who feels that? Well, if we don't like the term God, then it's just an emotion within you. Does that make sense? Everything you don't like is just an emotion within you, yes? And in the end, all emotions within you that cause you pain need to be released if you want to feel blissful, right? So if you do have any anger issues with the term God, then more than likely it's related to religion and other things that have happened in your life. So I'm going to use the term God, but you could use the term source, creator, whatever you wish. God has two primary attributes. That's an interesting Divine love is one of the first primary attributes. As we'll learn, divine love, or God's love, is not the kind of love that most people think it is. And most people feel that the, the love that comes from the universe, the universal energy that can enter your form, and you can actually live off it as well. Sometimes it's called the chi energy or other forms of, uh, there's other words used for, the, for that energy. Well, that, that energy, is really not God's love that I'm talking about. It is a part of God still, and we'll learn what part of God it is. But we're not talking about divine love. I'm talking about God's personal desire and love for you as an individual. You follow me? 
not so God wanting and desiring a relationship with you. That's what I mean when I'm talking about divine love. There's another thing, important quality of God as well. And this is the quality that most people ignore in their developing spiritually. Divine truth. Do you know what I mean by divine truth? I mean the absolute truth. Who of you likes to feel that there's such a thing as an absolute truth? Some of you feel that there is. Most of I found most people when I talk to them want to feel instead that there is actually degrees of truth or shades of grace. Right? And and most people, in fact, want to feel that my truth is the absolute truth. <laughs> and your truth isn't, right? That's how it is most of the time. But what I'm saying is that God, being the creator of you, has the absolute truth of the universe. Absolutely everything that you could ever come to know, God already knows. Does that make sense as an idea? Yeah. All right. Now, any time that you are seeking to progress or develop spiritually, what you are doing is you're going to be learning a combination of these two things primarily. In other words, you're going to be either developing, you will be developing love, so you will also need to develop in truth as well. If you want to get closer to God, closer to bliss, what you will need to do is you will need to actually develop in truth as well as love. That's why the truth sets you free. Does that make sense? Huh? Notice, notice it was never said that love sets you free. Why is that? Well, doesn't that demonstrate the importance of absolute truth or truth? Because many people, you look at many people today, many people are in a condition where there's very, very little love in themselves. Aren't they? and they reflect very little love to anybody around them. Now, what is going to help them move from that condition? Isn't it only the truth? So, in the end, truth is what helps you move from a condition, from one condition to another. Does that make sense? Not anything else other, usually, than truth. Now, as you learn truth, you also generally grow in love. And we'll talk more about how that happens as we go. But when God has an intention, what happens is God automatically brings that intention into being. So God had an intention to have children. And as soon as God had that intention, immediately there were all these little images of God created. Right? Of which you are one half. And they all have masculine and feminine qualities of various degrees. So some of these little souls, we will call them the word souls. Some of them have lots of femininity, little masculinity. Others have lots of masculinity and little femininity. And they actually split in two when they come to Earth. So what actually happens is, at this condition or at this level, there's a few things that they are not aware of. For example, let's look at what 
these souls are aware of in this condition after they were just first created, before they've ever experienced anything? Well, the first thing is that they have some instinct. So they instinctually know to incarnate, for example. And we'll talk about what that means in a minute. They also have personality. And this is why like some, some people, were after they've come onto the earth, some of them seem to be really good at music, other ones seem to be really lousy at it, some seem to be good at art, others terrible at art and so forth. All of, all of these kind of things are all a part of the personality. And God created the personality. And just like everything that God created, there is a huge variety. So it goes from one spectrum, if you like, hardly knowing anything about art at all, right the way to the other spectrum of being five years old and being able to do some wondrous paintings, for example, with regard to just that, that quality of artist, the artist quality. Every personality has all of these unique attributes. You are completely unique. There's a few things, and this is where the challenge begins, there's a few things the soul does not have. And the first one I'm going to say is really going to challenge you. At this stage, the soul does not have How does that feel? I'll explain why. When the soul is in this state, it has never yet learned to it hasn't experienced anything. Does that make sense? It doesn't even know of itself. It, it does not have any consciousness of self. Consciousness. In other words, it's not yet aware of who itself is. Does that make sense? The reason why is because it's never actually experienced any life at this stage. At the instant God created the soul, the soul obviously never had a previous existence. Does that make sense? So therefore, it can't have been conscious of who it was yet. Does that make sense? And so that pristine, so this is the pristine condition, if you like, of the soul just at the instant of creation. And it doesn't know even that it has a choice. Because it has yet to experience choice. It doesn't know yet that it's got free will, because it's yet to experience what free will is. Does that make sense? It is actually the process of incarnation that creates the ability to have free will. It creates the ability to have choice, and this is why we incarnate. We incarnate in the first instance. In other words, we come to Earth with a physical wrapper and a spirit body wrapper, and the reason why we come to Earth in that form is so that we can begin to experience. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? Um, what is the soul aware of? Is it aware of anything at all at that particular point? And because it is not self-aware, all of the awarenesses that it has, it's not conscious of having. Does that make sense? Yes. It's only once the soul incarnates that it becomes self-aware, and I call that process individualization. In other words, that it now becomes self-aware. 
aware of, aware of itself. Once it becomes aware of itself, it now becomes, it begins to become aware of everything happening around it as well. Does that make sense? But before that moment, it actually was not aware of self or anything around it. Although all these things were around it, it just was not aware they were there. What do you mean by the word incarnate? Can you explain? I'll I'll draw the process of incarnation. AJ, you said that it does not the soul doesn't have a choice, so you don't believe that we choose our parents or choose our No. Okay. I believe your parents chose you. And I'll show you why. And you've heard of the law of attraction? All of you have heard of the law of attraction? Yes. Right. Uh, the law of attraction requires a consciousness on your behalf, does it not? Yes. yes. So if these little souls are not conscious of their own self yet, how can they be conscious of making a choice of where to go? Does that make sense? But the parents of this soul, who are already on earth, have already begun experiencing, and so therefore they are already making conscious choice. And they're the ones who can determine where this little personality goes. Does that make sense? And so it's sort of like the opposite of what most people today. And I'll, I'll explain the process of incarnation and you'll see what, why, why I feel it's the opposite way around. So when they, when they say the beginning we're created in the image of God, yep. it's because we are not any part of God, but we are a separate creation. That's right. We're a separate, we're a separate soul that is in the image of God. It has the potential of becoming divine, but that potential is dependent upon a number of things. Because there are many souls, as you know, on earth that are nowhere near divine. Because if they were divine, you think they'd be able to murder? You think you'd be able to rape, steal, murder if you were divine? Now, or is this at one time these souls were created and there are no new souls being created now? I believe there's always new souls being created. But in turn, and the incarnation process is an ongoing process too. Uh, and we'll talk about why that would be the case too. God, God's actually infinite in everything she does. So because she's infinite in everything she does, she is also infinite in how she wants to have children. And she has infinite potential to have children as well. So whether God has an infinite number of children, I don't know. But, but I believe that God has the potential to have an infinite number of children. Which would mean then that there would be a constant process of creation of souls occurring. I'll explain what I mean by that too, yeah. I, I feel you will never become God. But you will become one with God at some stage. And I'll define the two terms uh, a bit different to what most people have been defining them. So does everyone understand at that stage, this soul has some instinctual things and it has personality, but it doesn't have a consciousness of its own personality. It doesn't yet know who it is. And personality, we, what we often feel is personality today is often injuries. In other words, emotional injuries that we've picked up during childhood and so forth. But yes, it is totally possible to change personality. 
Because once we're in the state of choice, which is after incarnation, we start, we can then exercise our free will to do anything we want. And if part of that is I want to change my personality, I can begin to do that too, if that's what I want. So your soul is far more powerful than what most people on earth realise today. And so it has, once it is aware of its own choice, it has the ability to do so many fantastic things. Far more fantastic things than what people realise. Including changes personality. Alright, so we have these little baby souls. They are yet to experience themselves, right? They are yet to be conscious of themselves. So what happens so that they can be conscious of themselves? Well, this is what happens. The soul splits into two halves. Now, it doesn't split into two halves at the same time. Obviously, the split occurs at the same time, but the incarnation process doesn't occur at the same time. But what I mean by incarnation is, at the time of conception, a spirit body and a material body is created for the reception of the soul. Follow me? There's two bodies created. So let's say that this is a masculine half of the soul. soul. It's going to be attracted towards a masculine body and there are two bodies created at the time of conception. There's a material body created and a spirit body. They both have genetic structure. And when, and the reason why I know for certain that there are two bodies is because when you pass, so when you die, or if, if you've ever talked to anyone who's passed, you will know that they can feel and see and touch their own body still, even though they are a spirit. Does that make sense? So they have a spirit body and a material body, and both bodies were created at the time of conception. It's all part of the genetic code of the sperm (coughs) cell and the egg cell that creates those two bodies. And the soul is attracted into those bodies, but it's the heart of the soul. So there's one half there, and we'll draw another half. In this case, we're doing a male-female split, so we'll draw a female body. Sorry about the dresses, girls. That's, I know it's not too good a dress. And her shape's probably not the off as well. <laughs> so two bodies. That's what I call the process of incarnation process of the soul attaching itself to two bodies that have been created for it through the sexual process. Does that make sense? No? Sounds kind of crowded. Sounds kind of crowded. <laughs> you at the moment are in fact a soul connected to a spirit form and connected to a material form. And if a person can see auras, they are seeing the spirit form of the soul. Does that make sense? So there are actually two bodies that you have right now. And in fact, all of them are contained within the half of the soul. So you've got the half of the soul, which is actually bigger. In my case, I, you, there, you can get a stage where you can feel them. So there's a, there's a soul, and then there's a spirit form, and then there's the physical form. 
And the spirit form looks very similar to your physical form. That's why when you pass over, you can recognize yourself. Does that make sense? Any of you who've talked to spirits um, through mediums or something like that, you will know that they, they still recognize themselves to be a certain identity. And the reason why that is is because they can still touch their body even though it is a spirit body. And they still, in fact, have, in the spirit world, there are still things they can touch. They have homes. And if you read a lot of channel material, and I've got some CDs at the back that I'll be giving away later, that you can read channel material with people who have passed and they'll tell you about their home. And the homes in different areas of the spirit world change. And the spirits can touch their homes, they live in their homes, just like you live in a home here on Earth. And they actually relate through mediums, many of this has been related over hundreds of years, the truths about the spirit world. It's just that very few people put it all together right, and actually understand what's going on about the spirit world. But in the spirit world, there are people, when you pass, you'll all get together at some stage perhaps, depending on your attractions. You know, if you like your friends and they've passed too, well, you'll catch up with your friends, right? And you'll be able to shake their hand and give them a hug. But it's a different form of body. It's a spirit form in a different dimension. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So, can you see we've got two, the two halves of the soul have separated, and the soul is connected to a spirit form and a material form. And these are called, what do you reckon? Soulmates. That's correct. And uh, what happens is the most each soul has a risky half of the personality, if you like. And the one who's willing to take the most risks incarnates first. And then the other one hovers, if you like, close to that other soul, following it around until it gets an opportunity to to, to incarnate as well. So the let's say the male half took the risk first and then incarnated. The female half of the soul will wait and will just hover around until it gets a chance to incarnate near where the male half is. They are very often met in this physical world, but because of their emotional injuries, they very often don't like each other. <laughs> okay. Will you think about what injuries do? You, Injuries cause emotions inside of you, right? And once those emotions rise inside of you, you start defining your relationships with people based on what you've been taught from your parents and what you believe to be the ideal woman or the ideal man from your parents' relationship in many cases. And so many of your attractions are actually based around your emotional injuries rather than the pure soul condition. And that's why many meet while they're on the earth, and they actually walk past each other and ignore each other. Yeah. Mind you, there are many who have met too on the earth who have gotten together and stayed together too. And there are many who have met on earth who uh, the husband's gone off and cheated on his soulmate. And I know of some cases where I've actually talked to them where the husband killed his soulmate. And he wasn't, they weren't married, but they killed him. 
Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about what happens as, as it progresses. So now, the reason why this incarnation process occurs is so that you can experience life, so that you can learn to make choice, so that you can learn to experience your free will, so that you can learn about yourself and your personality, so that you can learn how to grow. Does it make sense? But it's totally dependent on your desire. In other words, you don't have to grow if you don't want to. You don't have to learn anything if you don't want to. You don't have to grow in love if you don't want to. Because one of the beautiful things that God has given us is this free will that we have, that each of us have, that, is, that we can decide what we want to do. But do all the souls have to be that? Uh, remember when the soul is in this location, it doesn't know about itself yet. So to actually go through the process to learn about itself, it has to incarnate. Now, it may incarnate, and then within a few months of incarnating, while still in the mum's womb, pass. So miscarriage, for example. Now, it has still got an individualization, and there is a place in the spirit world where spirits look after the soul, look after the babies who have uh, miscarried. So any of you ladies had a miscarriage? Quite a Every one of your miscarried children are in the spirit world and you can talk to them. Through a medium you can talk to them. Um, I did. And I started communicating with her when she was about, she would have been four. Yep. And I had an out-of-body experience where I actually went to where she was. Yep. And July was when it happened. So every year for that month of July she would come and I saw her grow up, and I saw her change, yep. and she was telling me the work she was doing up there, you yep. know, what they had her involved in. Yep. And then when she was probably mid-twenties, I kind of lost contact with her. And I'll explain why. Please. <laughs> you haven't lost contact with her. She's still around you. There's a reason why you feel like you've lost contact, and we'll talk about it. But and you can actually talk to your children that have passed constantly, and they will listen to you. Also, I don't know if all of you are aware, but every night when you go to sleep, you go to the spirit world. And so if you've had miscarried children, you spend all of that time in your sleep state with them. Does that make sense? What if I didn't lost my mother and feel super very Yeah, very likely they are with you quite more often what you think they are. And it depends a little on the laws of attraction again, and we'll explain why, why that's the case, but yeah. So, in the case of twins, triplets, whatever, yep. so you've got male and female for each one of the babies being born? Yes, like, uh, let's say it's triplets, then there'll be three souls, of which are halves, incarnated into those three separate forms. Does that make sense? And the other, their other soulmates will be somewhere else in, trying to incarnate at some time. Somebody else is going to have <laughs> And they might not have twins though. And it could be, yeah, you can be, your soul, if you're a twin, your soulmate doesn't have to be a twin. But if you're oh, a twin, would your twin be your soulmate? No. Sorry, I like it. Is there are certain laws governing the process of incarnation. We'll talk about it. If you want to 
we can talk about some of those rules, but I want to put it, present the overview first, if that makes sense. Alright, is there any questions before I go on? Can you just explain briefly that the half, how we're half? If you can just for a moment picture the soul, the complete soul, is like two half, two halves merged together, like the yin yang symbol that we often draw. But what it is energetically is there's all these electrical impulses or connections going between each. The actual connections going between and elsewhere, energetic connections, they're actually emotions, actually, that connect the two halves of the soul together and make it a complete unit. So the complete soul actually is all, is like a is like a pristine ball of energy of which has lots and lots of energetic connections between the two halves. When it splits, it it then needs a physical and a spirit body form to experience it, to experience life. So that half needs a spirit and material body form, and this half needs a spirit and material body form to experience life. If, it, if that didn't occur, the heart of the soul couldn't exist and actually experience life. So it needs, the, each heart of the soul either needs each other in a complete form to experience, or when separated, it needs a, needs a body to experience. It's a male and female energy soul? And the way that it, it, the way it happens is that with, any, with everything God creates, there's a huge variety. So imagine this is on this end, this is all the masculinity of the soul, and this is all the femininity of the soul, and we're talking about complete soul here. All, all of you at school remember the standard dis distribution graph? You remember that from mathematics? We remember that in the middle bit, in the 90 percentile range, if you like, most, most of the souls in that region split into a masculine-feminine split. So in other words, one half of the soul is male, the other half of the soul is female. When the soul, the complete soul I'm talking about, is predominantly masculine, still with some feminine characteristics, but predominantly masculine, the two halves of the soul will be masculine and masculine. So in other words, when it splits, it'll be like a gay soul. Does that make sense? On this end, the two halves of the soul are predominantly feminine. So when it splits, it will split into two female bodies. They'll still be soulmates, though, and they'll still be they'll still be complementary to each other. Does that make sense? So this is the complete soul I'm talking about. The complete soul splits in two. Whether that split is masculine, feminine, in terms of bodies, because remember the soul doesn't have a body, so it's just it's just what it desires as a body because of its sexuality. The soul certainly has sexuality. And that's why sexuality is an important part of your life. How did so, you come about this knowledge? Um, <laughs> or your beliefs? How did you... Can I um, explain that a little later? Okay. Or, yeah, I'm happy to explain that. I've experienced all of this, and I, I, it'll, it'll be hard for you to perhaps see that, but we'll, we'll get to that at, <laughs> in, in time. I have a question. Um, it's my understanding that uh, when you reincarnate, you could come back as a female or a male, whatever you need to go through in that life. Yes. So how do you explain that? Um, I'm going to sh shatter some of these <laughs> things. <laughs> One thing I'm going to shatter is this common viewpoint of reincarnation to experience your karma. 
Right? You do not have to come back to Earth to work through issues, emotional issues. Right? Now, I know that is a very common belief today, and I'll talk about the reasons why that belief has a lot of flaws as we go through this. And I'll also present how reincarnation actually does occur. Does that make sense? There is a reincarnation. And I'll show you how that does occur as well. But <coughs> most people who... Uh, most of you would believe in reincarnation, yes? Or have at least felt like you've had to accept the... or have at least investigated the idea of reincarnation. Most? Yeah? Yes. Okay. And there is a reincarnation, and I'll get to it in a minute, but it is not like people explain it today. And it never has been. And I'll explain why that's the case. Right? But if I can keep going where we're up to, and then we'll get to those points as we go. Remember what I'm doing too, is presenting an overview here, right? There's a lot more detail. When I talk specifically about reincarnation, I spent three hours talking about it. So, um, so with all of these subjects, with many of these subjects I covered very briefly in this overview, what I'm basically trying to do is allow you to start investigating some things in a different manner. And I'll show you some of the manners that you can investigate truthfully that you may have never thought of before. And that will help you work through these questions of whether they're true or not, whether what I'm saying is true or not. All right, now, this material body is connected to the soul and the spirit body is connected to the soul. The reason why I've got these little things here, this is called a, there is a connection that the spirits themselves call a silver cord. I don't know if any of you have heard of that terminology. What the silver cord is, is it connects all of the sensory apparatus in your physical form to your soul. And the reason why it does that is so that your soul can absorb the sensor, sensor information coming from your body. Does that make sense? And there's also another cord that connects the spirit body to the soul as well. And most spirits don't even know about it. There are only some spirits called celestial spirits, which are in the eighth dimension or above, that actually know about it. Does that make sense? So you've got to remember when you're talking to spirits that spirits themselves think they know things just like they knew them here on Earth, when often they may be wrong, right? So just because somebody says, I know this and they happen to be a spirit, it doesn't mean it's true. And you're going to have to investigate truth. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what I'm going to do is present an, an, an idea to you of how to investigate the truth. And it involves you connecting to God. Because when you connect to God, the source of all truth, God starts telling you truth. Right? And we'll talk about how that happens. But uh, these spirit forms and material form, they are the sensory apparatus of the soul, if you like. So you can think of them as a tool, or I often call them a robot. So this is robot number one, right? Robot one. Uh, what is it, R2D2? No, 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 uh, Robot number two, right? So when robot number one wears out, you go on to robot number two. Does that make sense? Right? Or if robot number one gets so damaged that it can no longer sustain life, you go on to robot number two. And 
And robot number two has far less damage generally, although it can be damaged if we thought about how that's the case. So, think of yourself. Your physical body is actually a robot or an apparatus that your soul is using to experience the physical world. Follow me so far? Your spirit body is an apparatus or a body that your soul uses to experience the spirit world. And you get to a time in your progression where you don't need anybody. I mean anybody. Not anybody. <laughs> <laughs> any physical form, any spirit form, right? So let's have a look at what happens. And, and there's quite a few spirits here now listening to this. There, there weren't that as many just earlier, but there's now quite a few who have started listening. And so I just want to address that for a moment. Um, if they can just be patient with me, because they like to hear things a lot more rapidly than what people on earth do them. And so if they can just stick around and be patient, they'll, they'll learn some things too, probably. So I'll just, I'll just say that. Alright, let's look at what happens when you pass. Have all of you heard that there's dimensions, like of the spirit world? Yes. Yeah? And sometimes spirits call them spheres. Heard of that terminology? Spheres? Most people um, have had know that there's seven. There's actually a lot more than seven. But seven is uh, the number that's often used for some reason, which we'll discuss in a minute. Now, these spheres are locations or dimensions in the spirit world. They are physical dimensions, dimensional space. In the, in the spirit world. They ask places where you can live. You can live in these places. However, they are separated. The reason they are separated by what's called interstellar boundaries. And each interstellar boundary is a boundary of love. In other words, to get from the first sphere into the second, or from the first dimension into the second, your soul needs to resonate at a certain frequency of love before you can make that transition. Follow me? That's why sometimes the term, you hear the term vibrational. That term, vibration. What it is, just think about it as an emotion of love rather than vibration. Vibration gets all technical, right? If you think about it as an emotion of love, when an emotion of love exists within you that is in harmony with God's love, more harmonious with God's love, you can make the transition between the first and the second sphere. Does that make sense? Now, when your soul resonates with even more love, then you can make the transition between the second and the third sphere. And when your soul resonates with even more love again, you can now go from the third sphere to the fourth sphere. Right. So these are physical locations within the spirit world, but they are also dependent upon the amount of love that is in your soul. Does that make sense? That's why almost every spirit who talks to you, if they are of any development higher than the first sphere, they will talk to you about developing in love. The reason why is because they've learned that the only way to progress is actually to grow in love. Uh, and we'll talk about 
love, because there's quite a number of different forms of love, and it's two in particular. Alright. So, most people, when they pass from this world, pass into the first sphere. And the reason why is that most people have a very uh, injured view of love, you can say, on the earth. And that's why most people pass into the first sphere. It's very rare for someone to pass into the second sphere and almost non-existent until quite recently that people pass into the third. Now the reason why that is is because most people on earth are not aware of what love really is. Because most of us have a damaged view of love too. Right? Most of us think things are loving when they're not. And we'll talk about that tomorrow a lot more. So, we've got these spheres. And you can progress through these spheres while you are living here on earth. So, if your soul, if you decide that you want to develop your personal love, your love that comes from you, to an extent that you want to be as loving as you possibly can while you're here on earth, and you have a sincere desire to do that, what will happen is you, when you pass, you won't pass into the first sphere. You might pass into the second or the third or fourth, or it's even possible to pass into the seventh or even above there from the earth. But to do it, you will need to learn everything you need to know about love. So you know how most people, when they talk today about metaphysics and spiritual things, they're so focused on all sorts of things like crystals and, and you know all these all these physical apparatus, right? It's a much more simple than that. All you need to do is focus on love and develop yourself in love. And you will find that the power of your soul increases and it increases exponentially as you progress through these spheres. And you can progress through these spheres on earth and all of a sudden you'll find one day you wake up and you'll be able to talk to spirits. And then, you know, and then you begin, one day you wake up and you'll be able to see spirits. One day you wake up and you'll be able to heal yourself. One day you wake up and you'll be able to heal everyone else. One day you'll be able to wake up and actually heal a limb if it's cut off. And actually grow it back. These things are all possible if you grow in love. And you can see on earth, because these things are not generally known, nobody gets into that state. But it's all possible. Right? You've got all things possible. Alright, so let's talk about the two forms of love in particular. There's two forms of love. So I'll draw some uh, of lines down there and I'll, I'll discuss the two forms of love side by side. So we can see. The first form of love is natural love. What I mean by natural love, this is the love that comes from inside of yourself that you give to others. Follow me? The love that comes from inside of your soul that you give or project to others, that you actually act upon within yourself or others. The other form of love is the divine love. Now that 
love doesn't come from inside your soul. That love comes from inside God's soul. Can you see the difference? One love comes from inside of your soul. God gave you it as a gift right from the moment of your creation before you even were aware of it and you have the ability to develop it. Does that make sense? The other form of love comes directly from God's soul and it can enter your soul but it does not come from your soul. You can't in fact give it to another person. Only God can give it because it comes from God's soul. Does that make sense? Like only you can give your love because it comes from your soul. Does that make sense? Yeah. Follow me? Yeah? <laughs> okay. Let's look at the two different forms of love and what defines them. The natural love is very much defined by growth in intellect. Now when I say intellect, spirits who are on this natural love path, as I call it, are very, very focused on developing themselves intellectually to understand love. But when you think about it, there's a little problem with that. Can you intellectually understand love? Well, obviously you can to a degree, can't you? Like you can say, well, you can say what love would do, couldn't you? Intellectually. So, you know love wouldn't murder, would it? Would love murder? No. Would love harm another person, purposely? No. So you can intellectually say all of these things, right? But what if you feel like harming another person inside of here? So you know love wouldn't do it here, but you still feel like it here. Does that make sense? And often we feel like that, don't we? Like when we get into a bit of a rage or something like that, we know we shouldn't do something here, but here is saying, yeah, 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 go for it, go for it, right? <laughs> All right. So that's what I mean by it's very, very hard to intellectually develop in love because what's happening often is there's this uh, separation between how I feel and what I think, what I know to be right. Does that make sense? And this is why many uh, Christian faiths find it very difficult, right? Because there's a long list of you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not do this, you must not do that, right? And there's a list of things you must not do, and there's a list of things too that you need to do, right? That you have there. So then imagine you've got this list in front of you. But in here, you feel like doing some of the things that are on the list. Now that sets up a little problem, doesn't it? Of guilt and shame. Right? So it sets up a lot of conflict within the soul. So usually souls that are on the natural love path are often in this deep, in deep conflict with themselves. Because on one hand they feel like doing something, but on the other hand they know they shouldn't. Right? When you develop on the divine love path, you become more well, in fact, you become totally emotionally focused. Emotionally You become emotionally focused. Yep. In other words, you develop by developing your emotions. In other words, 
You notice when you've got this feeling inside of you that says, oh yeah, yeah, go and hurt him. You know, he, he deserves it because he did this to me and he did that to me. And, right? He deserves it. So you've got this emotion within. And you notice this emotion within. And you want to actually get rid of that emotion from inside of you. Does that make sense? So rather than using your intellect to force or suppress the emotion, what you're doing is the opposite. You're actually using your intellect to actually grab the emotion and experience the emotion and release it from you so you no longer feel it anymore. Does that make sense? A totally different way of developing. Yeah. So, on one hand, I'm intellectually developing. I'm trying to force myself to progress emotionally. On the other hand, I'm emotionally developing and that changes everything, intellectually and everything, around me automatically. When you're processing on the natural love path too, you become very adult-like. Like, uh, I suppose you could say like most people you see in university. <laughs> or most people that you feel in your day-to-day -day interactions. A very adult life. In fact, aren't you taught you should be an adult? You know, you've got to be responsible, you've got to be this, you've got to be that, you've got to be an adult. This is what you're taught, right, from, you know, little, isn't it? On this side, you become child-like. Now, not childlike in that you're irresponsible, because that is an emotional baggage or emotional injury. But childlike in the sense that every way you experience your emotions is as you have them. You cannot reach a state of bliss emotionally without feeling every emotion as you feel it. Does that make sense? Right. So, initially when you're feeling every emotion as you feel them, the first emotions that come up generally are the ones that are really yucky. You know? Often the first one to come up is rage and anger. You know, they all cut some of them. You feel like punching someone out and you know doing like when all of those have left you, then the sadness wiggles its way up, right? And you find you cry for a fair few months perhaps or might even be years, depends how much is in there, right? And then other emotions wriggle their way up, like unworthiness and all these other emotions wriggle their way up. And eventually you experience those. But after all of that, those yucky style emotions are all gone. What are you going to experience? Isn't it going to be bliss, emotional bliss? The only emotions you'll have are the ones that are happy and joyous and good. Does that make sense? So on this part, the problem on this part is that we're often trying to intellectually filter an emotion. In other words, an emotion starts wriggling its way up, right? And, and it gets to about here, which is sort of like your sadness centre, if you like, in some ways. It's also the centre of the heart, but the heart chakra, but a lot of sadness gets caught across here, right? That's why a lot of people have heart attacks, or those kind of emotions are all caused through here. So the sadness gets up here, and I start feeling the sadness almost getting to here, right? And what do I do? <laughs> Gotta go to a meditate, you know? Gotta lay down and have a meditation, and what? Tune it all back down again, and let it all suppress, right? That's often what we do, isn't it? Alright. It would be better if that was no longer in you. But it's not going to get out of you if you keep shoving it down, right? It's not going to get out that way. Now, on this path, 
we try to shove it down and get a bit further along and shove it down and get a bit further along and a little bit dribbles out here and a little bit dribbles out there. And, you know, it's like almost like a pressure cooker. You know what it's like with a pressure cooker? You, you chuck it on the stove and it starts steaming and it only lets out the steam when it's got too much pressure. Is that the way you want to process your emotions? No, you want to be able to let out all your emotions without pressure, without, without them being stressed, right? And to do that, you need to become childlike. You think about when you take your child uh, into a candy store, and they're two years old, right? And you say, and you say to them, oh, little Johnny, you know, you can't have your candy. And, and, and he says, no worries, mum. Is that what happens? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what does he do? Scream and yell and shout, right? And he doesn't care who's around, what's going on, so he's going to scream and yell and shout, right? Because he ain't getting what he likes. Now, when you're in a childlike state, you experience your emotions in that purity. The key is to release the emotions that are negative so that you don't have any. Does that make sense? Now, you can do that, but a lot of people on earth believe they can't. By the way, when you get to the spirit world, you will have to do it if you want to progress. And I mean have to. When I say have to, I mean you have to if you want to progress. You can stay stagnant in the first fear if you want, when you arrive in the spirit world, because it's just a choice, right? It's a free will choice. But you will stay there until you want to deal with your emotions. Because you think about it from a murderer point of view, I got all this rage inside, and all this rage comes up, and what do I want to do? Get out a machine gun and shh, right? That rage, obviously, as soon as I do that, I'm harming myself even further and harming everyone around. So there are appropriate ways <laughs> to deal with emotions. And interestingly, the spirits on this path, always, when I talk to them, they always say that I am God. Spirits on this path always say, I am God's child. Very key difference between the two paths. Almost all spiritual literature that's around on earth today suggests to you that you are God. And all, almost the majority of the spirits in the spirit world are actually on the natural love path. And that's why most of the spiritual literature on earth suggests you are God. On this path, you learn actually that you're called God's child. You're a child of God. And therefore, we are all brothers and sisters. We are all one in the sense that we are all God's child. And uh, we can be at one with God too, which we'll mention in a minute. You can see that this is starting to look very much like what Jesus said. Can you see that? This is starting to look very much like what other philosophers say. Can you see that? Alright. Is there any questions about the two parts? 
This is developing your love that's from within you, and you can do that without God. This is developing in God's love that gets within you, and you need to do that with God. Does that make sense? That's basically the two parts. Almost every form of religion on earth, and almost every form of religion in the spirit world, is developing on that natural love path. Isn't it a combination, or is that what you're saying? Can it be a combination, or does it have to be one or the other? When you develop in divine love, you automatically develop in natural love as well. So uh, the divine love path incorporates all the principles of natural love. So you can have both. But the natural love path does not incorporate the principles of divine love. So this is where most spirits have a problem in terms of their progress, in that they're progressing this way, using their intellect really, uh, they still have to do emotional work, but they become more and more adult-like, more believing that they're God. In fact, I've talked to spirits in the sixth year, and they believe they're God. And they feel they don't have any more desires, and they feel they don't have free will anymore. Right? They actually say that they don't have free will anymore. And they actually live off of the projected emotions of other people. That's how they survive. So, I'm confused. So, what you want to do is be more childlike and live off God's love? Yes. Yes. So that's what you really should be heading for. Well, isn't that ego on the left there? Um, we yes. talking about ego? Um, how, it depends how you define ego. And mind? Many spirits define ego as your identity. So if you use that as a definition, then it's not about that. And I would, I would classify ego more as pride, right? where you're not emotionally open to experience all of your emotions. Right? And so ego is where you're holding on to identity, to your current self-identity, to your own heart. Now, on this path, many spirits do that constantly. They hold on to their own identity so strongly that they only change or grow when they're forced into growth by circumstances occurring around them. And obviously, as they progress more, up these spheres, there's more love, so there's less chance of triggers. There's less chance of releasing some of those ego-based feelings. But yes, this is often the ego. This is you don't have any ego on this part. When I say any ego, you certainly still have a personality, and you certainly still are an individual, and you will always be one. So you say God doesn't love murderers or rapists? No, God loves everyone. That's what I but thought. God's personal love does not flow to a murderer or rapist. So where do they go when they're supposed to be going up one of the two of these paths? Every single person passes into the spirit world, okay. and these paths are not clearly defined. Okay. In other words, when you arrive in the spirit world, you will not know, often most spirits do not know where they are when they first pass. Most people, as you know, on the earth have very little concept of spirit life. So therefore, they arrive in the spirit world not knowing where they are. Does that make sense? The more you learn now, the better off you'll be for that reason. But when you first pass, let's say I'm a murderer, I will pass into the first sphere. Right? 
and I'll pass into the lower regions of the first sphere, which are called the hells, H-E-L-L-S, by spirits, spirits call them that. But they're not fiery torment places, right, that the religions teach. They're actually places of darkness. They smell, they're very uncomfortable, and you can actually read channel material, which I'll talk about a little later, about the hells and what they're like. Yeah. And many people, uh, many spirits in the hells really strongly affect people on earth to do things that are wrong. So you've heard of things like a murderer saying, I don't know what happened, but you know, I just killed three people and I don't know, I can't remember what happened. And often that is because of heavy spirit influence, because the spirits themselves are still, in the, still have a desire to murder. So, but God loves every single soul, every child, but God's personal relationship, you, you can't have a personal relationship with God until you desire one. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. So is everybody affected by those spirits? Yes. Everyone on earth at some stage in their life generally is affected by lower spirits. There is, yes, very simple actually. But most people on earth are not aware of the simple forms of the past. And it's not a smudge stick, by the way. Why? Yeah. <laughs> You've heard of the smudge stick? There we go. Do you think it's smell worries the spirit? I don't think so. Would you please tell us the secret? Certainly. I'll, this is part of you learning. It's coming. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, so far, okay? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Now, the divine love progression, the progression in divine love is infinite. The progression in natural love finishes at the sixth year. In other words, a spirit or a person on earth who decides to progress using their intellect and becoming adult-like and believing their God and so forth will finish up stagnating in their progression at the sixth year. Because this form of progress is about investigating or focusing on understanding creation. Intellectually. This form of progress, the divine life progress, is about understanding the creator. Understand? Understanding. Creator. This is how I often liken it to. You have a choice. The choice is you can investigate creation to your heart's content. In other words, you can investigate any area of creation you ever want. And you can continue doing it now. And when you pass, you can continue doing it even to a greater ability in the spirit world if you want. But there's an infinite amount of creation. And if you want to find truth, you're going to be spending an infinite amount of time trying to find out an infinite amount of creation and doing experiments constantly. Does that make sense? That's what you're going to be doing. The other alternative is actually to understand the Creator, to actually connect with the Creator. And then the Creator tells you about creation. It's a shortcut to the secrets of the universe. Right. 
you think about it, if you can connect to God, if there is a way to connect to God, and I know a lot of people on earth don't really believe there is, but if there is a way to connect to God, then God can tell you what's going on. Does that make sense? And if God can tell you what's going on, then surely that's going to be a lot faster method than you trying to do experiment after experiment after experiment after experiment trying to work out what's going on. There is a way to even do that. Yeah. You think of, if you think about it uh, from the point of view of a parent, when you have a child, you give the child a, the child has a few options really, doesn't it? It can listen to you and learn quite rapidly. Or it can experiment itself and learn the hard way, right? We often call that, what, the school of hard knocks, right? You have the same choice. You can go through the school of hard knocks too, if that's what you want, or you can learn the easy way, talk to your parent, and find out how to do that. That's your choice. Every single soul in the universe has that choice to make. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so if, like a child, you decided that you wanted to choose the school of hard knocks. Now, what happens when the child, let's say this is a study, a hot study, and you go, it's hot, hot, and you go through all the gestures saying that it's hot not to touch it, right? And the child decides to totally ignore you. What's the child going to do? Going to go up and put the hand on the fire, right? And be burnt? And what does it learn then? Exactly what you were saying. Does that make sense? Now you have that same choice. You can listen to your parent and choose to do that, or you can choose to actually experiment and find out yourself the hard way. You have exactly the same choice. And that's really what the two parts are about. So this part is about experimenting yourself, doing everything yourself. In fact, it's about and I'll use this term, self-reliance. Does that make sense? That path is about self-reliance. This path is about, what do you reckon? God-reliance.
you actually start processing everything you do with your soul, with your emotions. You don't think about what you do anymore. Does that sound wonderful or what? You don't have to think about what you do anymore. You just do it. You just go ahead and do it. You feel everything. So I'm not talking to you with notes, right? Because I don't, this doesn't help me feel anything. I'm talking to you straight from how I feel. And you'll find, you'll, you'll do exactly that. As you progress through this path, you'll start doing that. And in the seventh day, you do it so, you do it so much that you don't even think about anything anymore. You don't plan anything anymore. And yet, everything works out without your planning it. It simplifies your life, which is so much right. Yeah. And in the eighth sphere, and there is an eighth sphere, you go through this huge transition that in the Bible was called being born again. Now I'm not saying, like, it is in a religious sense. Your soul, what happens to your soul, is your soul becomes divine in that you become at one with God at the eighth sphere. So this part, the eighth sphere is the first time you become at one with God. There is so much of God's love in you that you cannot do anything that's out of harmony with it. Is this why we're here on the earth plane in physical form? Yes. Yep. I thought these spheres were in the, the first sphere in the spirit world. And these are all dimensions, but remember right now, you are a spirit form. You have a spirit form. You have a soul form. Does that make sense? The soul form is wherever your development is. So let's say right now my development is in the second sphere, then my soul form and my spirit form, every time I go to sleep, that's where I'll be living. Does that make sense? You can do this here. All of this is possible here, as well as in the spirit world. What I'm saying applies to spirits who are here listening, as well as to all of us who are here in physical form. It's identical. You can progress this way. When you get to the eighth sphere, you become born again. Jesus was born again in the first century. Remember, he said those words in John chapter 3. I don't know if you read the Bible. <laughs> and uh, many don't anymore, right? But uh, it uses the term born again. The spirits who are above there, when you talk to them, they call it the new birth. The reason why they call it the new birth is because the soul is transformed into a totally different creature. What happens is as the divine love enters the soul, it actually adjusts the soul. The soul actually changes in its form, and it becomes, instead of a human soul, it starts becoming a divine soul. And these, this area above the eighth dimension is called, on the eighth dimension above, is called the celestial kingdom. Or it's also often called the um, uh, the kingdom of the angels, and every one of the spirits who live there have become at one with God. Now there are over four billion spirits in that location of the spirit world. Right. So there's a lot. Do they also influence the earth? Yes, as well? but they are very, very focused upon the law of free will. 
Because the law of free will is essential if you want to understand divine love. So on the natural love path, what happens is that if a spirit's influencing a person on earth, they'll often boss them around, or they'll often push them around here and there. But a spirit on the divine love path will never boss you around. They will never tell you what you have to do because they love the law of free will. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's a big difference between how they interact with you. Getting back to your question, your daughter got onto the divine love path and progressed very rapidly. Right? And because she's so far up that divine love path, she now finds it difficult to speak with you, but she influences you with her emotions. And you may feel that at times. Does that make sense? That's what she's doing with you now. Now, because of, because of the difference between her condition and your condition, she finds it very different, difficult to speak with you. If you let yourself progress on the divine love path as well, you will find you'll be able to speak and also feel her emotions a lot more clearly. She wants you to do that, actually, but it's up to you, obviously. She, very, every person that goes up this path is very focused on the law of free will. Free will is an essential part of divine love. So I won't ever tell you what you must do. I can say all the time that it's always a choice. Everything is a choice. Is there such a thing as the words, uh, often we hear the words, oh, it was meant to be? Is there such a thing? Not a single spirit above the eighth sphere feels that there is such a thing. Because what is meant to be is what exactly is happening right now. And the reason why is because you're exercising your free will to get exactly what you're doing right now. The law of attraction is at work constantly, and the law of free will is at work constantly. You've heard of the thing, I'll change when I'm ready? When are you ready? when you want to be ready. Free will, it's a choice, right? Not, you're not going to be ready until you want to be ready, until you want to change. Now, on the natural love part, people always say, oh, I'll change when, when I'm ready. On the divine love part, they say, do I want to be ready or not? Does that make sense? Because one of them is a free will choice. It's actually about learning choice. Yeah, you had a question? Yes, I, I keep getting drawn back to a conversation about uh, there really isn't reincarnation. And I'd like to ask, why do so many of us have memories of other lives? What's happening is that spirits in the first year and right up until the sixth year, actually, many spirits believe in reincarnation. And what they do is they impress upon you their experience. And the way they do that is through memories through feelings and through pictures. And they can do it in such a way that make you feel like you've actually had that experience. Now, the spirit, there are many spirits who try to get back into a physical form soon after they've passed. The reason why they try is because they don't like where they are. Right? And they don't know how to go higher. So they want to come back to Earth because Earth is better than what they are. Does that make sense? And so many of them do try to connect to people on Earth, even right from the time of the conception onwards, they'll try. And there is, again, a way to protect yourself from all of that. So, it's all about that. Why are the spirits trying to impress me so that we don't sell 
And if these spirits are above the second sphere, generally they try to impress the things upon you to teach you things. Because they've learned things the hard way and they want you to want it to be easier on you. So sometimes it can be. It just depends on what they know. So if you're in the second sphere, do you think you know everything? Well, you may think you know everything, right? There's plenty of people here on earth who think they know everything, right? Oh, yeah. But it doesn't mean they know everything, does it? Does that make sense? And when you pass, let's say you're on earth here, you believe you know everything, and then when you pass, you still don't believe you know everything, right? And you might pass into the first sphere and still believe you know everything. I've actually talked to the spirits in the first sphere who have told me they know everything, and they can't have a conversation with me because it's impossible. There's nothing I could tell them. And you can, but remember, it's all about your emotional condition. All right. So it's not something that you'll be able to intellectually do. It's something that you'll have to develop within yourself emotionally. You follow me? So, for example, you can't fake your emotional condition with God. If you have anger inside of you. You have anger inside of you, and you might be able to fake it with everybody in your life, but you're not going to fake it with God, because God knows exactly what's inside of you, right? Does that make sense? So at some stage, if you want to connect to God, you're going to have to start getting really, really honest about what's inside of you. Now, on the natural love part, it's not often that they're honest with what's inside of them. Does that make sense? Yeah. On the divine love path, you learn to have a love of everything that's within it, even if it looks pretty ugly when you begin. Yeah. So they're totally different paths, really, and totally different ways of looking at things. I'll mention that in a minute. Yeah. Once, I'll, once I'll finish the summary, I'll get into that one subject. In fact, tomorrow, I want to spend quite a lot of time on that subject. Let's just keep going on this side. There are in fact 21 spheres. Right? Of development above, from the 1st to the 21st. So, you know how most literature say there's only 7? Well, there's in fact another 14 spheres above that. Um, now, the reason why most people on Earth don't know about it is because most people on Earth can't connect to that kind of development in love. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's actually a 22nd sphere as well. And there's a transition that occurs between the 21st and the 22nd sphere. And that transition is this. You've got one half of the soul and the other half of the soul with their spirit forms. Right. Sorry about the rest of the And what happens in this transition is that the spirit bodies Where do they go? The same way your material body disappears. It's a process of death of that body, if you like. And you recombine with your soulmate as one entity. And that happens on the 22nd sphere. That process, the spirits up there call it a soul union. It's a reuniting of the two halves 
of the soul. But they are now completely individualized. In other words, you are perfected in love so much, in divine love and natural love, so much that you are now at one with God and your soulmate was, before this transition occurred, at one with God and you and your soulmate came together as a complete soul form again. Now at that state, you no longer have a spirit form attached to your path of the soul. Does that make sense? And that's the only state from which you can reincarnate. And that's how reincarnation occurs. A very good question. You notice that you are now perfected in love, so there is no karmic issues to work through. So why would you want to? To, to teach others about love. That's the only purpose. Now, I'm going to really get a stretch for you, actually, and say that only seven have even done it. There's only seven souls that have ever done it. Historically. Okay, let's say one half of the soul went up here and experienced the new birth, and the other one's down here in hell. All right. What happens is the one that's developing constantly goes back to the one who's not developed. And this has happened, this has happened historically so many times. And all of you have heard of uh, Nero, the Roman em Emperor Nero from the first century? Well, he murdered his soulmate. She was a Christian and he wasn't, obviously. And he murdered her in the... She, she died by being torn apart by lions in one of the arenas that he'd created for that purpose. And she passed over in quite good condition. She passed over into the third sphere condition and she progressed very rapidly into to the celestial world. When Nero passed, he passed into the bottom areas, the real dark places of the hills. It took him a thousand years of birth time with her help to get to where she was. So she was his son. She was his son, man. But she helped him through that entire process. How would you know there are seven, seven souls reincarnated? Um, it's well known in this, in the, from the eighth sphere and above, if you connect to any of the spirits there, they will tell you. Do they tell you who they are? Yep. You want to know who they are? Um, I haven't got anywhere to write. You might for rub some <laughs> Great, AJ, I'll change tapes while you make some room or something. Yeah, change tapes. Yeah. A little suspense.